I'm now sitting in Sylvie's house and Sylvie is a lovely, lovely person from uh, who lives in Calais, not from Calais. I don't know where you're from. You're living in Calais. And Sylvie really kindly puts up volunteers and uh, who you can hear knocking around in the background, which is fantastic. It's a really lovely house. And one of my favourite places in Calais, I think, is pretty much your kitchen table. Just sitting around that kitchen table, we always have like nice food and a beer or something like that. And uh, just after a day's work, and it's all full of lovely people. And so you've been opening your home for such a long time, and I think it's a lovely, lovely thing. So I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your life. And so how did you, how did you come to be in Calais? Hello. So, yes, my name is Sylvie. And um, so I live in Calais for 12 years now. Um, because before that I was living in, in London and we couldn't afford anymore, so we moved to Calais. Um, I decided to help uh, the refugees first. And then I was full time in a camp of Dunkerque, volunteering. Then I had a burnout, like a lot of people have. <laughs> so I decided to come back to the warehouse slowly. And then I just decided to open a house to the volunteers because uh, at that time I could see that I was struggling to find a place where to stay and come and help the refugees. And then uh, that's how I started probably in December 2015 actually, when RCK arrived. So I worked with RCK first mm, and then, yeah, and last year, I've been working a lot with Utopia actually and the refugee youth service because I was um, hosting a lot of refugees also, just those young boys from the jungle who needed um, to have a little rest for one night at least, have a hot shower and um, do some laundry. So I did that for a few months, almost a year, but uh, it's very tiring emotionally and I didn't feel like I was helping them really. So I stopped that, I had another burnout, of course. <laughs> um, <clears throat> then I decided to host uh, some refugees who wanted to uh, stay in France, so they're on a process to, to get asylum. So that's what we did last summer for a few months. We're still in touch with the boy. And what else? Um, for the moment, I'm just I just carry on uh, hosting volunteers, and um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I know it's kind of like an obvious question, but you're a kind of local resident, and I don't know what all the local residents think. But you've decided to help, so why? When I was a teenager, so that was like. 35 years ago <laughs> and um, I remember we had uh, some um, advert on TV showing the problem in Ethiopia please help Ethiopia is starving so it was quite normal I think too I mean the the, the media the government in Europe was uh, trying to train people to help Africa but today, Africa is in France, is in Calais, asking for help. And now the government say, no, we don't help. So it's a bit strange. 
uh, it's different education. I don't want my kids to be educated this way. Uh, they have to help. Those boys from Africa or from Middle East, they're here on our doorstep and the government is telling us that we can't help. I don't understand it. We have to help. It's not even a question. There is no, it's no point to ask. It's just help. You've, you see someone falling in the street, you just rush to that person to help, don't you? So it's the same with the, the refugees. They're here because for many different reasons and they ask for help, so we have to help. It's, we are human. There is no God, no nothing, no even politics or human being who can say, no, don't help. How dare they say that? So that's how I decided to help because I think that's, that's my duty in life. I think so. I think I, w I could ask you for hours about the, the complexities of it. It's, it's a, uh, amazing to me that you've just opened your family home and your heart and just let people in, whether volunteers, refugees, no matter what. I think it's a really brave thing to do. But like you say, it's it, it's brave because not everybody does it. But actually, for me, you're the kind of person that shows that we can actually do it and everybody can do it. And so, you know, you're just an, an, a person who just lives here and has gone, yeah, like I have my normal life but I can still do something. And that's really powerful, I think. Um, and I've certainly been really overwhelmed just coming here and just seeing your generosity. It's lovely. It's uh, it's wonderful, and I think it's something to, to something that I look up to. I don't think it's it's being brave. It's it's definitely about. I think people in general are scared for what they don't know. So people are scared of strangers in general. Um, so even to open the house to people that I don't know, volunteers or, refugee, or refugees. Uh, I didn't know what to expect, what will happen. I just had to trust people straight away and, and to respect. And they gave me back uh, even more than that, <laughs> even more respect, in fact. Uh, so I think if people don't open their house to the refugees, it's it's all about fears really it's just because they don't know what to expect and they're scared and they don't want to be in charge or you know they stress a lot from their work maybe and when they come home they just want to see nobody because they're not happy in their life maybe um, but they don't know how much it's it would help them also to open the house and to meet strangers and they will realize it will open their mind a bit more but instead they prefer to focus in their life in their problems and family and all that things that it make them quite unhappy maybe in general now, as a as a resident here and a, you're a french person who lives here you have your normal life here what is your view of the situation of the way the government is handling things of the way that people are being treated we kind of touched on it a little bit but i know you have um you have your thoughts and I'd just be interested to uh, sort of summary of your feelings and your view on, on the whole situation of Calais and Dunkirk. Well, I think, uh, I, I, as I said, um, it's not normal not to help. It's not normal to think um, that because uh, by taking their belongings, destroying their thing, beating them, treating them as animal, 
uh, that will discourage them to go to the UK. They've been trying to do that for 20 years and obviously that's, it doesn't work. So they, it's just there is only one solution. Um, there is only one, but they don't want to. They don't want. They don't want it. The government in general, um, which is helping, it's very easy. We have to stop. To, they have the government has to stop doing that. It's really mental now. Those kids, uh, they're going through so much trouble with the police that they're even more sick than what they were before arriving in Calais. So now they need more help than they, they were expecting. They need mental health help, big time, uh, since the eviction of the big jungle, for sure. Uh, because when, you, when you've been aggressed every single day, and at the end you think you're a really shitty person, maybe, I think that's what the boys probably think, um, so they start drinking because they think now they belong to the street anyway, anyway, that will be their life. That's it, because that's how Europe want them to live. Um, so it's, it's terrible. We are destroying them. Uh, the French government is creating some very, some criminals. In a few years time, those boys sadly will be, probably will become criminals or thieves, bad boys. Why? Because the French government are treating them uh, not as a human person, for sure. And that's, that's, that makes me sick, yeah, to see that, absolutely. How can you treat uh, people here in Europe this way? No, that's not right, no. Today, after Three, or three and a half years almost after the eviction of the big jungle. Um, it's not, now it's not really about um, giving food or sleeping bags or tents. Now they're, they're really, in those boys, families, kids, they really need a real help. They need to be safe somewhere, days and nights. Uh, they need mummies and daddy to take care of them and some uh, therapists, a lot of uh, people with a lot of skills, big time. It's not only about food and sleeping bag anymore. The thing is, that's what we can do today, but they really need a shelter where to stay safe during the night, away from aggressivity from the police. So please, if there is a millionaire um, listening to that podcast, please, uh, we need a warehouse to host the refugees here in Cali, for sure, for 800 people, please. <laughs> Thank you. Yep, yep, that'll be good. Um, I mean, the CRS have about 800 people in a hotel and the French government is paying for, for them. Um, you know, I don't understand why they don't just pay for accommodation for the... You know, the refugees instead, it would actually be cheaper. It's crazy. I think the only thing is to say that, thankfully this evening, the house is full of wonderful people. And I hope you enjoy your evening and I hope that you kind of uh, keep finding little positive moments in, in all of this as well. And you're certainly providing so many of them for me as well. So thank you very much for that. Thank you very much. Come and help, help, help. <laughs>